So I learned a weird fact today. Okay, tell me. I was talking to one of my friends, and she was saying it's proven true through and through. My friend is in her 60s. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) And her analysis from her grandkids, all her kids, and yada, yada, yada. Once you reach about two and a half years old, whatever your height is at that age, you double it, and that's how tall you're going to be, which would put Avery at about 5'9". Jeez. And I'm like, wow, she's going to be taller than me. She'll be just shorter than Kyle. Kyle's kind of short. Not really. He's like normal height for a guy, but just shorter than Kyle. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird to think. So something to think about in 10 years, I guess. But hey, if you have a toddler that's about two and a half and you want to know how tall they're going to be? Just double it from what they are right it's now. It's funny because our breeder told me that at 16 weeks, you can double the weight from there. And that's about what the adult size is. And that's exactly what Finley is. See? Works for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. It is fascinating. I love it. So guess what we're going to talk about today? Tell me. We're going to talk about millennials. I love it. Do you know what I was thinking today? <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> I really wanted to talk about this today because we are living in a millennial world and I am a millennial girl. (laughs) Me too. Yay. (laughs) Now I'm never going to hear that song the same ever again. Welcome to the Art of Getting Your Shit Together podcast, where each week we help you identify the bullshit that's holding you back and discover the courage to take action to create a life you love and enjoy. So, millennials, what are some of the things that you hear about millennials? What don't we hear about millennials, honestly? (laughs) The one that I hear the most that I kind of – I feel – weird about it. Like, I feel kind of like, yeah, kind of, yeah. But also no is the entitlement that millennials have. Like, we're really, and I say we because I am one, right? But that we're really entitled and we think we deserve all the things handed to us on a silver platter. Yeah. I hear that a lot. I think entitlement is probably number one. Yeah. Is that the trophy thing? Like, we got trophies for second place? Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about it. So I've been just really digging into a lot of multi-generational workplace literature, you know, nonfiction, just ways to thrive with just this compilation of generations that we have, Mm -hmm. you know, working under one roof. It's quite fascinating. And the the thing with millennials came up a lot, like how we are always handed trophies. And one interview that I read was this man, I was going to say this kid, he's not a kid, he's a man, was like, we didn't ask for trophies. We had adults giving us trophies and then they kept giving us trophies Mm. and then they kept giving us trophies. So just like you learn a lot of habits and patterns from your childhood and and anywhere else, what do you kind of expect later? Not that you're entitled, but you're kind of expecting a trophy or some kind of reward just for participation if you were always given that. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. If you're used to something, you're going to kind of expect it in any area of your life. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that we're entitled or we always expect just something for participating or the A for effort, yeah. And really, it, it is a participation for effort. You should be putting in effort. Yep. But we have to be giving trophies for accomplishments still. So even though it seemed like everyone was getting trophies all of the time, that doesn't mean that we sh- still shouldn't hand out trophies. 
for the ones who deserve it because it still is something to be awarded and to be, I guess, for the person who would be receiving it. The course that's going to elevate them and make them feel good. building type things. Highly regarded. So another reason why I want to talk about this today is because I do think that millennials have a bad rap. Yeah. Time Magazine, it was back in 2013, 2013, labeled millennials as lazy, entitled narcissists who live with their parents. Yeah, that's hurts a little bit. Ouch. And I have to say, because as a millennial... I have moved back in with my parents on a few occasions, not my parents, but like when we were building our home and we sold yeah. our home, we had nowhere to live. So we moved, you know, it's like the boomerang thing. I'm like, it's not because I can, it's because I need to right now or, exactly. or because it's a good option. It wasn't the best option. Mm-hmm. I think it was drove me nuts. But one reason I think this is kind of a, a shitty thing to say is I remember hearing about back in the day where multiple generations live in one house still do in some cultures. It's still normal for multiple generations to live in one house, but it's like you lived at home, you moved out, but then, you know, you were kind of expected to also have your parents or maybe an elderly family member move back in with you. So it was like family taking care of family. So why is it frowned upon that parents are still kind of helping out their kids? Because it's probably not even that they may want to stay home longer. It's because they're probably trying to get through college Mm -hmm. and they have a shit ton of student loans. The average millennial who has gone to college, not finished college or has a degree, but has gone to college. Yeah. Has the average debt of $37,000. Ridiculous. And then we get the hit to say, well, you know, you just want to make all this money and you have to move your way to the top. You know, you got to earn it. <laughs> well, we're making less than our parents did at the same age. The medium household income for a boomer, our parents, was I think $67,000 or no, $61,000. The Gen Xers were $63,000. And then millennials are like 61,000. Yeah. So there's a variance there. My numbers are probably a little bit off, but it's just proving a point that all the research shows that even if you're married, a married millennial that has two incomes coming into one house, or even if you're not married, but if you have two incomes coming into one household, you're still underperforming what you know, our parents did as far as income. And then of course, inflation has happened since, but our salaries are not matching that. Yeah. If I do some quick math here, I remember when I graduated college, I graduated with $60,000 in student loan debt. I didn't go to a fancy school. I went to a state school and I remember I made $15 an hour at my first job. So that is... Oh, that's not right. Hang on. 15 times. Probably about 32,000 a year. Times 52. Yeah. So $31,200 a year divided by 12 is $2,600 a month before taxes, right? So you're thinking you probably are making, I don't know, $1,900 a month. And my student loan payment was $500 a month. Mm -hmm. So I had about $1,500 a month left for rent, groceries, gas. That's insane. Insurance. All of it. And I had, luckily, a significant other at the time to split the bills with or it wouldn't have been feasible. I probably would have had to move home. Yeah. I know lots of people and probably I was in a different situation growing up. 
after my father passed away that put me in a, you know, a different financial situation than some, but if I didn't have that, then yeah, I probably would have stayed Mm -hmm. home. I don't know how I was survived. I was a server at Chili's for a long time and going to school. And when I graduated mortuary school, I came out with an associate's degree and then was shortly after signed up to get my bachelor's in business management. And I was making $11 an hour as an intern. Yeah. And then it went up in the next two years to about $16 an hour, but still I had a house. Well, and then it's packaged up and sold as the American dream. Yeah. Right. Like you can work as hard as you want. You don't have to be in those circumstances. Well, when the entry level jobs want two years experience and you have no experience, like you kind of do have to work the jobs to make the ends meet. And listen, nobody's shying away from hard work here, right? Most millennials are very hardworking. And I'm sure you're going to go into that. I'm really excited about this because I kind of already <laughs> know what you're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah. One of the myths is that we are lazy. Yeah. And we're actually one of the most driven and passionate generations because we want to make an impact. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways that we can do that now mm-hmm. that yeah. sometimes it seems like there's a lot of opportunities and millennials may jump from job to job, which we are more now than previous generations. But let me remind you that all generations are doing this now. The unemployment rate is very small. And so there's lots of opportunities. So for people who are high potentials who want to do more, there may be a company or somebody out there hiring someone with the skill sets that you have and have the same purpose and passion and that you can make an impact in their company, right? So it's an employee market. Like Mm -hmm. if you're in real estate, think buyer seller market. It's really an employee market out there right now where you can just kind of pick and choose, right? You may have multiple employers wanting you to come work for them. And with having that loyalty to a company, traditionalists or the silent generation that they're known for, they were loyal to one company. Same with boomers. It was, you know, you stay with one company. Traditionalists were before, like they're older than the boomers, right? They are. Yeah. They're the children of the Great Depression. Got it. And boomers are the ones of the, you know, the 1960s. Think civil rights movements, women's rights, gay rights. Our parents. Yes. So with the silent generation, they were loyalists to their company. You stay with one company the whole way through. Well, loyalty to a millennial now and Gen Zers, who are also the generation younger than millennials, loyalty to them means being able to serve in a common purpose. They believe in the mission of the company. They believe in the values of the company and they can see themselves growing. And that company also is adding value to them because lots of times, a lot of our skill sets that we learn are on the job. Right. So how is all of them actually? Yeah. (laughs) College is expensive and it doesn't prepare you for shit. It gets you organized and it shows them that you can complete something. Yeah. And be tactful and organized in your time management and just show up where you need to show up and just get a degree and pass. Yeah. Gives you basically the basic, basic, most basic, 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 basic foundation you could ever need. (laughs) And then they train you the rest of the way. And they got to pay you to do it. Oh my God. So everything you learn (laughs) is on the job, right? We're learning from experience. We're learning from our mistakes. We're learning from others who have been there before us. And that's where millennials and the younger generations find value. And if people are unhappy with the way the millennials are leading 
these companies now because now that we're in our 30s, approaching our 40s, we're taking a lot more leadership roles. Well, people are just kind of kind of have to get used to it, right? Because we are living in a millennial world. (laughs) (laughs) By next year. Truly. In 2020, millennials will make up 50% of our country's workforce. 50%. Five years after, in 2025, that will increase to 75%. Okay? So it was once upon a time the boomers. Gen Xers were very – they're a smaller generation. And now the millennials were just taken over, right? But – if we're in the workplace and we're coming into a place where we have influence and probably influence over multiple generations, but specifically millennials, how can we add value to them? How can we help them see value? And some people may think, well, you know, they do their job. They do good. You tell them that, you know, they do good and you kind of go about your business. You know, you give them feedback. What does that all mean? Mm -hmm. It means so many things to so many different people. Lindsay, Pollock, she is the author of The Remix, and it's like it's all about thriving in a multi-generational workplace. And she talks about that it's customization nation. It's all about customizing your approach and giving people different platforms to learn, to engage, and to have engaged feedback and an open dialogue. So rather than just having emails, why not send out your memo, but also record you talking about it in your email? Why not mix it up? Because some people may just want to read the memo, but some people may want the extra engagement. Just because we're millennials doesn't mean we just want to read and read text. You know, we still like engagement, right? That's why video is so popular. And it is because even though we're not meeting face-to-face, we can still see facial expressions, hear voice inflections, and connect on a different level just through video. So something to think about, right? Even acknowledgements, are you acknowledging, you know, at a group, is it personalized, Uh, maybe with a gift or something, you know, tangible that they can hold, you know, just something like a small trinket if they've won an award or something like that, who knows, but are you offering them the opportunity for growth like they want, right? It's not just about recognition. It's like, again, how can you provide value to me and what does that look like? So it could be letting them shadow a position where they want to go, right? Yeah. It could be paying for a seminar or a workshop for them to attend to grow their skills so they feel valued in this. But how do you even find that out, right? We can't just assume. Right. We have to ask questions, ask better questions. Coming from the questioner. You ever notice how the co-host of this podcast that is the questioner doesn't ever stop talking about asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> it all starts with questions. I love it. How would you ever know anything if you didn't ask questions? You just, if you're assuming you may be getting it wrong and what a waste of energy when you could just ask and get it right. Yeah, I agree. So ask what makes you feel valued? What interests you? I love that. And that's like so easy. It could be. It could be so easy. But I mean, it's easy to get. I mean, instead of guessing, that sounds like a lot of, like you're saying, a lot of work, kind of exhausting. When maybe if I just said, hey, like, let me just cut to the chase here. It's like when you're in a romantic relationship, you ask to find out what each other likes. Yeah. (laughs) You don't just go like, well, maybe I'll try this today. (laughs) And maybe you could if you're spontaneous. (laughs) 
if you're really up for mixing it up. But I'm it thinking bedroom stuff that could get real weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could go down a really deep rabbit hole there. We will bring it back into G-rated content. Yeah. Well, PG-13. So back to the workplace. And we can ask for them to expand on your strengths. Like, what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? You know, you know? what this, this really is? Like, yes, what adds value? And it's like when an employer shows you that you matter. Yes. That's what it is. It's key because what we have to do, you know, as leaders is we have to create value so they are able to create the impact that they want. Okay. We create the value for them so they can make the impact that they want. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. So by adding value to somebody, again, it can mean so many different things, but we all want to be heard and seen and acknowledged and validated. Yep. And another way to do that is by asking questions and then supporting them, okay? Supporting them in their efforts and also teaching them skills to also to improve their performance, right? Sometimes as leaders, I know that a lot of us like to just kind of do it ourselves. I can just do it myself and it's faster. In the long run, as you continue to grow or you take on more employees, you know, that can get really cumbersome if impossible because you can literally run out of time. The thing is, is that we have to be able to coach and mentor our teams so then they can take care of the customer. They can also take care of you. And that frees you up to do more of this work because we should be spending so much more time with our teams on a more a personal level, a professional level to develop them and to partner with them and to see what gaps that we can fill to improve their performance or to support them in ways that maybe we haven't thought of or to move the business to a new level, but all on the employee floor, right? Like it's your ground level, like getting to the nitty gritty. You have to exert the effort for that long-term gain. Oh, short-term sacrifice for long-term gain? Yeah. And I, I was trying to think of that, but is it short-term? It's not really short-term. It takes on a life of its own, right? Like it's continuous effort, but it has a greater impact. Does that make sense? It's the small investment over time that makes up a big result. Kind of like the little by little, a little becomes a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, it's adding that value and just diving into what that means. I can't stress that enough. And when I say supporting them and kind of being by their side and supporting them in something that they may be struggling with is asking, what are you struggling with? You know, let's talk about, let's list out everything. Maybe you can delegate something. Maybe there is just one thing that is weighing on them so heavy that they can't even focus on anything. They're like, oh, there's just this one thing. If you could just do this one thing or someone could take this over, I'll feel so much better. Awesome. Maybe you can. Maybe you have to come up with a new strategy. And sometimes they may even say, I just, I feel so much better. I just needed to talk about it. It could be personal. Yeah. It could have nothing to do with work. Yeah. It could be a family member is sick or something where they just need, you know, because we're also taught that we should not be emotional at work, that we shouldn't show, we almost kind of have to keep our weaknesses to ourselves to a certain degree, but also not overshare our personal lives because it's like, check your emotions at the door, check your personal crap at the door, which I think is BS, by the way. Because if you have, you're still a human and you don't get to like choose to shut your emotions off. I think that Mm -hmm. is the most 
fucking unhealthy thing ever. And yes, I know you're not like, it's not acceptable to flat out like start sobbing in the middle of a meeting. I mean, you probably should have control over your emotions to a certain degree, right? Like yeah. as adults, <laughs> we have we have control. We can, we can rein we also, them a little. <laughs> you know, also we shouldn't like blow up and like scream at people, you know. So we have to have a certain degree of control. Yeah. But that said, when there are things in personal lives that are really heavy and you can tell if you are in leadership and you can tell some it's affecting somebody, you can just say, hey, what's going on? I would just love to listen. And they might just need somebody to know. I mean, I do this with my clients. We've had a struggle with our dog recently. And I was like, listen, I'm struggling. You know me as a hard worker and I do all these things. And I know I've had a few things where I've had to fall behind. And they're like, oh my God, we understand. And just that right there was like, you know, thank God. Thank God I was able to tell them that and they were supportive, right? Yes. So it could be work-related, like I have way too much on my plate, or it could be I have, you know, a parent that's sick or something. Yeah. Just bringing that human side back to the workplace. Thank you. Humanity. Exactly. Is, is key. And one of the commonalities between generations is really having an understanding and having some compassion and empathy for your team when things are happening because we are all human. And having some flexibility, right? Right. If you have to leave early or you just need a day, okay? Because that's how people feel most appreciated is when some of their personal needs can be met. Absolutely. And are you going to talk about that? Because isn't that the reason why I think you said the gig economy is so big now because people really like flexibility? People love flexibility, especially Gen Xers. (laughs) But flexibility is key. I'm not just talking about flexible workspaces and work from home. I'm talking about just being able to clock out when you need to because you have something to do with the family. Isn't Brooke Castillo, doesn't she do that where she's like, we don't have eight-hour work days. You just get your work done and then you go home. Yep. And that's becoming a lot more common. Some companies say you get your 40 hours in, you do whatever you need to do, but they can be at any time, Right. Some people have to show up at the office because they're operating hours and they're, you know, you're open from right, nine right. to nine, you know, whatever. And then you have your shift within that time block. However, for a lot of these e-commerce business and these freelancers, the flexibility just changes everything because like Brooke Castillo and her company, it doesn't matter if it takes someone 15 hours or it takes them 40 hours right? She wants them to be efficient. She probably would have a conversation with you. She's like, this shouldn't take you 40 hours because it's taking everyone else 15. (laughs) Yes. But you get what I'm saying. Like you can just get your work done and then you're done and you're getting paid for the time that you put in. But she has very high standards for her employees and she has very high standards for their output, but she's also understands the human side of it. Yeah. And she knows how important that is. There's other companies who are also offering unlimited time off. You can take all the time off you want, but that is having a counter effect because then people feel guilty for taking time off. Well, if Jenna's not taking time off and I want time off, then I'm going to look like I'm lazy because she never takes time off, but I really just need a fucking week to just take a break or I want to go on vacation or I want to take my kids somewhere, but no one else is taking time off. So that's kind of changing where you have a certain amount. It's not dedicated to sick, vacation, personal. Yeah. People like parameters when it comes to that. Yeah. John Miller tried to do that with his company. 
Yeah, and it backfires. And he's like, we actually surveyed our employees. Would you like unlimited PTO? And they're like, no, Mm -hmm. please don't give us unlimited PTO. Please just tell us how much we can have. Yeah. And I think it's like mandatory. The only thing for theirs is like it's mandatory. You have to take two solid weeks off. That's good. I love that. I think if you offer vacation time, it should be mandatory to take it. I hear all the time from management because they're salary, but they can still have paid time off that I'm going to lose like two weeks vacation this year. What the hell? I'm like, you didn't take your time. Like, and maybe that's the millennial me where I feel entitled. I'm like, I worked hard. Like I deserve time off. Right. But I feel like that's for everybody. Everyone is entitled to have their time. You earned it. Right. It's on your time off balance sheet where you have so many hours that you're taking. So why aren't you taking it? It's kind of your own fault. Culturally too, I think it's tough. We just really value in this country and it's kind of like driven into us from a very young age that you work your butt off. And some people kind of just maybe saw that growing up and they're like, well, dad didn't take breaks. Mom didn't take breaks. I'm not taking breaks. And the knowledge economy doesn't allow us just to go to work and clock out and come home. The knowledge-based economy means, and the fact that we're connected with these devices nonstop means we never shut off. Mm -hmm. And so if you are on all the time because you're connected to your phone and you get email, work email on your phone, or you're getting text messages or whatever, like me, I do, I'm on all the time, it seems like sometimes, you absolutely need to take your time. Take your time off. You have to. When I was managing a 24-hour operation, that's one of the reasons why I ended up leaving, one of the biggest components was I could not handle having the 24 hour. Just, it was constant. And I I never felt like I could clock out. I would go camping where there was no service. So no one could bother me. I'm like, I'm going to be gone. (laughs) I will not be available. You call X, Y, and Z for these needs. And I would have to delegate. And of course those people would know, but there's means to go about it. And I give my husband a hard time sometimes because he is a hustler he loves his work. He loves what he does. But sometimes he feels like he can't leave the office when I feel like he can. I'm like, babe, if you can't leave and delegate some of these things, there's bigger problems going on here. Right. So I don't know if it's problems within the office or problems that he just feels like he can't leave it like within himself. But I'm all about taking breaks. Take your breaks. You earned them. Okay. Yeah. It's time for you. It's a time to recover. We talked about self-care all the time. You would never be like, if you're driving down the road, I know the tank is on E, but we're going to keep going. (laughs) You hear me? Keep going. (laughs) Do not let off the gas. Whoever's in the passenger seat is going to be like, you are crazy. It is the desert. You're going to strand us. My God. If you were a car, you would completely Mm -hmm. stop working. So we are not robots. Even robots need service. Come on. Yes. They probably need a little lube, a little tune-up. Of course they do. (laughs) (laughs) And one statistic when talking about being valued and taking time off and this flexibility pieces, 80% of workers report that they would rather have a caring boss who valued them than receive a small pay increase. And I believe that small pay increase was about 10%. And associates who claim that their work is meaningful – have different definitions for that. And a Gen Xer is independence and family time. A boomer who's older than a Gen Xer uh, respects the desire to work into their 70s and doesn't want to be discounted for 
aging, right? Because they may not be retiring as early as they thought they would, whether they can't or they don't want to, right? We're living longer. People may not want to stop working at 65. We're like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, stay busy, right? And then a millennial or, or a Gen Zer, one of our younger generation, just legit want to feel like they're making that impact, right? They just want to know what that is, right? And it could be so many different things, but that's what they define meaning as is I'm just making an impact, yeah, right? Whatever that is for them. Which is actually, I know Don Miller talks about this. He's like, I think millennials get a bad rap. I personally love working with millennials because if you give them a mission, they will die on the hill for it. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is the truth. I know for me as a millennial and somebody who runs my own business and I work with multiple clients, I pour my heart, soul, sweat, blood, and tears into each project because I feel like I'm making an impact to their greater Mm -hmm. purpose, right? And even if it isn't, like I make that up in my head. Yes. (laughs) You know, because I'm like, this is why I do what I do. And I can relate to Kyle too, you know, like being the hustler and never shutting off, but it's easy to keep going when you have that true north, which is kind of like your mission and your purpose yeah, and making a difference somewhere. And being clear on that. Yeah. And if you're not clear, you know, continue to ask these questions. There's so many different questions I've learned in leadership and just having this engaged feedback, but in someone who is responsible for millennials, I think one thing that we need to start reflecting on is what do we need to keep doing, right? Okay, let me back up for a second. We get stuck if we've been in an industry or our business for a long time, we can kind of get stuck in old ways, right? Oh, yeah. Even us youngsters, we're not so young anymore, but we're still young, right? Like when the iPhone comes out with a new update and I got to learn a new thing. Yeah, and I can't Legit feel old now. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, really? What was wrong with the way it was before? It was fine. (laughs) So just because it's always been done that way, right? What do we need to stop doing? Okay. What do we need to keep doing because we're doing it and it still does work and we can even build on it and make it better? And what do we need to redevelop altogether? What's something completely new that we need to reinvent to add value to our team, right? And it goes back with what does your team value? Ask them those questions. What environment do they thrive in, right? That's another thing that backfired was these open workspaces. Mm. That backfired. So Google started it. Google started it. They were one of the pioneers that started the open work plan. Well, here's the thing. And I don't know, this is millennials and Gen Zers get a bad rap for this is having headphones in at the workplace. People are like, why the fuck they always have their headphones in? They legit might be trying to concentrate because there's other things going on. Have you asked them, why do you wear your headphones all the time? You know what I used to do? (laughs) I used to wear my headphones without music. I just put them in so that people wouldn't bug me. Yeah. People may be trying to focus because... If you're in an open environment, like a call center, for example, and you're making cold calls for the first time, that could be really fucking terrifying because your peers who have been doing it longer are around you that can hear you. Yeah. If there's not a private office for you to go and practice, that could be really hard. If you're trying to focus and you're learning, maybe it's an online workshop or you're just trying to concentrate on a task, but there's people gossiping behind you. People are watching a YouTube video. Someone's got FaceTime going. I fucking hate that, by the way. Why do you have FaceTime blaring? (laughs) 
or videos just blaring when other people are doing other. I just I can't stand that. I can't even but have the TV. Legitimately, on people like may be trying to focus. No, and so yeah. understanding how people learn. So, okay, what kind of work environment do you thrive in? How do you like learning? Are you a visual learner? Do you learn well Hands just on. through like audiobooks or listening to something? Do you need to read it? That way you can engage with your employee in a different way. So not only are you giving them tools to learn to grow their skills, but they're going to be able to absorb it and execute it much, much better if you were right. just to assume, well, everyone likes these online videos. Well, maybe they don't. Absolutely. Can we give them the idea that Courtney, remember her gift? Yes. The investing and like asking and figuring out. For example, if your employee is the type that likes to read or grow, one of the things that one of my clients did, and I am lucky enough to have a client that's this awesome, but Courtney, we had her on. She talked about fitting fitness and health into your life. Courtney Denham, she gave every employee a $50 Amazon gift card. And it wasn't just an Amazon gift card. Like, here you go, go buy anything, go buy a microwave, go buy, you know, whatever it is. It was... You can buy anything you want with this card, but what I recommend is that you invest in yourself and you allow me to help you invest in you. And it was a whole list of books. These are books that I've read that I felt like made an impact on my life. And so here's just a list. You can choose from this list or you can go do whatever ones you want. But I was like, that is the most badass gift I have ever received. So when you do gift cards, by the way, this could be something that you could do whether it's for a gift for a person that you love because gift cards feel so impersonal or you could do it for your employees. Like, here's $15 Starbucks. Take 20 minutes today away from work and go fill your cup if that's what they like to do. If you know that if you've asked those questions and you know that that's what they really like and that's really what makes them feel valued and invested in, do that. For me, I'm a learner and I love, love reading or even listening to audiobooks. And so that was like, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And what was one of the books that you bought with that? I bought Building a Story Brand. And what did that, what did that do to your life? <laughs> How did that it change your life? Changed my, my business and my life and the way that I think about everything. And by the way, just so you know, at the beginning of November, I'm going to the retreat in Alabama I never thought that I would visit that state so much in my life, but it'll be the third time going there this year alone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nothing against Alabama. It's just I'd never been there before. And here I am three times in one year. But we are learning about creating a life-changing mission statement and like how to like do mission and purpose. And so I will bring all those goodies back. I can't wait to hear about that. But just so you can see how that one little gift was a seed that sprouted into something huge for me, just personally. Exactly. And I just think she's just a thoughtful human anyway, but she really, they have a very good employee retention rate because she does truly invest in all of her people, whether it's like give them time off, they're all avid hunters. So they get to take time off for their hunts and stuff. And it's people care about that, man. People care way more about that than like being paid a crap load of money. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about money. Yes. Because a, a constant that I hear, and again, I, I work with a lot of individuals within the funeral industry, and here in Arizona, it's not the best paying industry. I'll tell you that. And I hear, you know, 
people just want to make more. You know, if they we could just pay them more, if even I made more, then you know, I'd be happy kind of thing. Like it all kind of goes back to the money. That's the first thing that people throw out there is money. And what I've been saying is money talks, but then it shuts up. Right? Because what people are complaining about the most isn't their money, right? It is bad bosses, uh, lack of communication from management, it's troublesome colleagues, and not knowing where their career is taking them. I got those four from uh, Remix, Lindsay Pollock's book, but it really digs into what are people complaining about? And it's really the same things. Mm -hmm. Regardless if you're making $20,000 or $200,000, you guys, we're all bitching about the same thing hate working with that one person. My boss is such an asshole. Yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter what level we're on. There's typically a thorn, a similar thorn in all of our sides if at work. Yeah. It's not about the money. People right? don't quit jobs to quit bosses. Yes. That's like a And that's cliche, what I say. 80% of people would rather have a caring boss than a pay increase. So what does that mean? It means that we, as people who have influence, need to start showing up differently. We need to start prioritizing what we're doing and how we're allocating the time in our day differently. A lot of times we're just doing day-to-day operational stuff. We're putting out the fires. We're wanting to help out these people. You know, we want to just, you know, take care of this customer and take care of that person, but there's really no long-term benefit and there's no real intention. We're just kind of flying at the seat of our pants, Mm -hmm. just doing the day-to-day, right? So how can we go in with intention? Because what you're doing, if you're just going around and putting out fires, what are you being? You're trying to be the hero. Yep. Jenna knows this better than anyone, but what we have to start creating is this value so people can create the impact they want so they can be the hero, so they can win the day, right? Everyone wants to be the hero. And if there's too many heroes in one place doing the same thing, Someone's going to want to be the hero somewhere else. Remember, because millennials and the younger generations want to create an impact. They are passionate and they are purpose-driven. So how could they ever create the impact they want if their boss is always trying to be the hero? Amen. We have to create value. And we create value by understanding our team more and by partnering with them. And we partner with them by acknowledging them, having real conversations with them, and giving them engaged feedback. Brene Brown goes into a beautiful lecture about engaged feedback. And I will have that available in our show notes about her engaged feedback checklist. It's fantastic. In summary, it's literally and figuratively sitting next to somebody rather than across from them. You're not putting the problem between you. You're sorting out the problem together. I love that. In a partnership. Okay. And being willing to admit that you may not have all the answers. You don't have to have all the answers. And I think that's so important for anyone leading any generation is that we don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Because if you have all the answers and you, again, you're just trying to be the hero. Well, and I think too, we appreciate people when they are humble and they can admit number one, when they're wrong, when we put people on pedestals and think that they can do no wrong or that they're so smart or that that's that. And the other thing that also shatters our own confidence We can't really thrive when we think we have this huge, you know, the elephant of the room is this person and they're so great. And why would I even, you know, like Mm -hmm. it really kind of starts to like, why try? Yeah. Those kinds of things. And I think really, honestly, it's empathy and humanity. It's bringing empathy and humanity back 
and treating people like people. Because we've kind of go, we've gotten we've gotten away from that really truly for some freaking reason. And I think it goes back to you just kind of show up at work, you do your job, and you come home. That's kind of the way it always was. And a lot of times, people chose more often than not, especially boomers and Gen Xers, picked a career based on how much money it would bring in because they needed to make a good living, right? They thought that a good living, a good salary meant that you made it. That's not the case anymore. So it's just not going to your job and hating it and coming home. That's not what it looks like anymore. And we know that that doesn't do anyone any good. We really need to enjoy what we do. Do we have to love everything? No, we're always going to have a shit sandwich. We're always going to have bad days. But should you at least be able to tolerate the people you're around and tolerate your work and actually enjoy it, right? It doesn't. And being able to have an open conversation with your boss and not feel embarrassed to approach them with a question. Or like you're going to have some kind of retaliation. Exactly. And yeah, most companies say that retaliation is not tolerated, but it happens. Total bullshit. It does happen. So as ambitious, respectable people. Or people, right? I don't know who all is listening to this. I'm sure a lot of millennials, but regardless of what generation you're falling into, it doesn't matter. Right. We're all human. Okay. And we all need to treat each other like kind, capable humans. And there is some studies that show that the generational cohorts and the labeling of generations is going to go away because what can be defined within 20 years or 50. I think it's t- the typical cohort is 15 years, 15 years. Can you imagine things 15 years from now, what they were like? It's so different. So as technology and our lifestyles change and society advances, our norms change so often. And what we're growing up with changes so rapidly, especially with technology, that there's not a definitive, you know, characteristics and things that really define a generation so much. Right. And I'm sure things will still happen in certain time periods that will shape our culture and the way we live. Gen Z are growing up in an era where gay marriages and greater acceptance of transgender and non-binary identities are accepted. So that's shifting our culture. But also tragedies shape our culture, like 9-11, right? That changed the way we lived. That changed the way we traveled, the whole thing. So those things will still have an impact, of course, but having these generational labels will probably shift or not exist at one point because we here sitting in this room, Jenna and I, and I'm sure there's a collective group who also believe that we're all just human Mm -hmm. and we should be treated as such. And maybe some labels are- I just realized, what are they going to go to? We're at the end of the alphabet. Yeah. Gen Z. Are you going to do like what Apple did and start naming things after cats and then mountains? <laughs> It'll be like hurricanes. We'll just go through the alphabet yeah. and name random names. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> We're Generation Double A. <laughs> Generation Dorinda. <laughs> Generation oh, yeah. Karen. Yes. Oh, no. So I loved this. Lindsay did this whole thing for her company and she kind of gave this presentation that was just epic. I was like, we need to bring this to the podcast because a lot of us are millennials. And if you're not a millennial, you are probably interacting with one on a daily basis. And if you aren't yet, you will be. And 
bringing a sense of normalcy to the generation that is so misunderstood and then how to interact with them and then how to just in general going beyond the the generational divide on how to just be better people, yeah. whether it's in the workplace or even in your personal life. Because all the stuff that we just talked about, we still want to have a sense of purpose and belonging in our friendships and our relationships and everything that we do. And uh, I know it's it's a little bit different for like our parents' generation and they're a little bit set in their ways, but just having a little bit of consideration and bringing that empathy in, how can you take the extra step to care Yep. To stop and care. And uh, I'm sure it will change the way that hopefully the cultures are headed toward. Change their whole perception. Yeah. People can think whatever they want to about millennials. But I think that we're all showing those haters a different way. Mm-hmm. Haters going to hate. About I'm excited about it. I can't wait. <laughs> I mean, we're seriously some of the the coolest companies are being created by millennials. Yeah. Or if they're not being created by them, they're soon to be run by them and we will see some big changes coming up. Yes, that is for sure. So I love this topic. I wanted just to focus on millennials. Like Jenna said, I've, I've talked about this before and it was on a greater scope of all generations, but we're millennials and I just feel like they get a bad rap. They do. You know? They absolutely do. Thank you for joining us for another episode. We appreciate your time. Yes. As always, please go and leave us a five-star and a review. We love to hear from you. And And if you haven't joined our Facebook group, we are the Art of Getting Your Shit Together VIP tribe. Come on over there. We request feedback in there quite often for topic ideas. Sometimes we post funny articles and memes and who doesn't love a funny meme? I mean, if you don't, then you just need to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) So come join us over there and until next time, take care of yourself and we will see you next week. The Art of Getting Your Shit Together is produced and edited by LD Coaching and Blush Cactus Boutique Design Studio. We would love it if you'd head over to iTunes and subscribe, leave us five stars, and write a quick review. If you enjoy this podcast, share it with your friends so that we can continue to grow our tribe. Tag us on Instagram at tagist underscore podcast with your shares, and we'll feature you on our story. Don't forget to grab our free guide, five things you can do right now to get your shit together and start living your best life over at tagus.com slash kick more ass. Remember your life only gets better when you decide to grow and it's never too late to get your shit together.